when I talk about cutting the net. Now, I, I talked to, uh, my wife was saying, are you, are you sure you want to talk about cutting the net? She's like, because last week you, you preached and it was really good and you didn't preach on sports, but like the previous time you talked about QB1 and the previous time before that you talked about how your dream was to play for those Kentucky Wildcats and to literally cut down the net. I said, listen, listen, I, I, you know, I just, I, you know, I know three things. I love God, I love my family, and I love Kentucky Wildcat basketball. I mean, that's, I know three things. I mean, so listen, tonight, or tonight, today, I'm used to speaking to teenagers at night. And so I'm used to saying tonight. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about what it means to cut your net. What it means to, to cut your net. And, and so, uh, listen, A.W. Tozer, or excuse me, Martin Luther King Jr. gave this quote. He said, I submit to you, if a man hasn't found something he is willing to die for, he isn't fit to live. A.W. Tozer said, it is not what you do that makes your work sacred, but why you do it. John Maxwell, a great leader, said, if a vision doesn't cost you something, it's just a daydream. And then Ron McManus said this, the church that will impact the 21st century is a church whose dreams are bigger than its memories. I'm going to say that again. The church that will impact the 21st century is a church whose dreams are bigger than its memories. And, and so today I want to challenge you. I, I'm probably going to speak more like a youth pastor today than, uh, than I did last week. But you know what? It, it's okay because everybody wants to be young, at least young at heart, right? So let's just act like you're super young at heart. So like if, if that means, you know, you have to do like some of my teacher, I'm teachers, some of my teenagers and just yell stuff out, do that. Just yell stuff out. That, that'd be okay. And, but I want to talk to you. Listen, I, I had that dream growing up of, 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 of climbing up that ladder in a sold-out arena and cutting down the net. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. I've already told you guys the story of my, uh, uh, you know, uh, times where I would be playing out in my backyard and then I would do like a press conference at the end. I mean, I did, and it's all true. But what you don't know is that I actually would cut down the, <laughs> cut down the nets of my backyard uh, hoop, and, and my dad would be like, Jace, I'm not going to buy you another net. Quit cutting down the nets. But as you could see on the video, uh, the, the basketball teams would cut down a net if it's a major championship or a conference championship, sometimes even if it's just a big win and they, they want to remember. And each player will climb up uh, that ladder and, and they'll cut down just a little piece of the net. And they do that so that they can look back on that. Sometimes they, they hang it in their room. Sometimes they'll frame it. Sometimes they put it on, you know, their, their rear view mirror, you know, whatever the case may be. And they do it so that when they see that net, they remember the victory that they had. And because they remember the victory and they remember the pain and the hard work that it took, they're willing to sacrifice again to give more, to work harder, to keep in shape. You know, and so I believe that the church 
in the 21st century, I think so many times we look back at our success, and that's great and that's wonderful, but look back at the success so that we can move forward in greater victory for the glory of God. Do you believe that? Apparently not. I'm just kidding. Do you believe that? Listen, I believe that we are not just supposed to make heaven, right? I don't, Jason, I don't want to just make heaven, right? I want to make a dent in hell. I want to make an impact in such a way where hell is devastated. That's why Amanda and I and really our family have given our lives over the last 20 years to reach uh, high school, junior high, high school, and college-age students. Why? Because I want to make hell angry. I don't want to just come to church, hear three songs, and hear a great message, and walk out the same way I came in. That, that's really not what the Lord has called us to do. In fact, he's called us to be aggressive. Anybody ever had cheerleader for a daughter? And they would say, be aggressive, be aggressive, B-E-A-G-R. I just had to spell it out for myself, right? Listen, I want to be aggressive for the kingdom of God. And, and when you send your students on a Wednesday night to the Switch Youth Ministry, listen, that's what we're training them to do. We don't want them just to walk into a church and leave the same way. We want them to leave different. Why? Because we want TR High School to be different. We want Northwest Middle School to be different. We want their homeschool co-ops to be different. Dare I say, we want their homes to be different. Listen, God is calling us to do more than just say, hey, I'm a believer. He really is. He's calling us to do more than say, I'm a believer. The first thing I want to tell you in order to cut your net and celebrate the great victory that we will, uh, we will uh, experience, listen, the first thing you've got to do is in a world of half-heartedness, you need to dare to have some absolutes in your life. In a world of half-heartedness, you need to dare to have some, half, uh, some, some uh, absolutes in your life, things that you say, I am not going to do this, but I am going to do this. You have to make up in your mind, I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to go after God. I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to share my faith every day. I'm going to live it out in front of people. I'm going to live it out in front of my family. I'm going to live it out in front of my friends. I'm going to be aggressive with what, I, what, with what I believe and who I say I am. If you say I'm a Christ follower, listen, we've got to do what Christ did. What did Christ do? He made disciples who made disciples who made disciples. That really is the crux of everything we believe here at uh, Upcountry Church. We want to produce people, disciples who make other disciples. And so how do you set your absolutes? I mean, we, we live in a world today that if you watch the news, any channel, it doesn't matter. Listen, we live in a world that people are saying, listen, truth is what I believe. Truth is what I say I want it to be. There are no absolutes. There are no moral absolutes. But Matthew chapter 24, verse 35 says this. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, God's word, shall not pass away. 
How can we know what the, the absolutes uh, should be? Listen, we've got to get into God's word. We've got to get into God's word and we've got to know it. The, the scripture says this, I will hide your word in my heart. Why? So that I will not sin against God. We've got to know the word for ourselves. I, 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 I want to tell you this. We, and, and I'm not making this up, we have the great, I believe one of the greatest gospel communicators in the history of the world. I mean, Pastor Rob is amazing. He knows the word. He conveys it in such a way that I don't know if you're like me, that every time I leave, I'm like, I, I had never heard that before. Oh, yeah, I've heard that story. Yeah, I've heard that scripture, but I've never got that meaning out of it before. I don't know. I mean, are you kind of like that from time to time? Listen, I want you to know we have an incredible gospel communicator. We have an incredible communicator of the word of God. But I will tell you that if he was standing here today, he's going to be here next week. He would say, but I want you to know it for yourself. See, because if we just hear the word, and we walk out and we're not changed. We do what the scripture says we shouldn't do. We become hearers of the word, but not doers of the word. How do we become doers of the word? We, we saturate our lives with it. Students, how does a young man or a young lady keep their way pure? By what? Meditating on the word of God day and night. Listen, I want you to know it for yourself, but it's not just me. God wants you to know it for yourself. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word shall never pass away. I've got a question this morning. What do you believe in right now? What do you believe in right now, deeply enough at this very moment, that it will, you will let it cost you something? Let me ask that again. What do you believe in right now, at this moment, that you're willing to say, oh, you know what, I, I will not sway that belief one way or the other, and even if it cost me something, even if it cost me everything, what is it that we believe in today that we're willing to say, I'll give my life for? 2 Samuel 24, 24, David says this, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, that cost me nothing. He said, I'm not going to worship the Lord if it doesn't cost me something. I'm not going to give to the Lord if it doesn't cost me something. Today, what are your absolutes? What are the things that you will never compromise in? I told you I sound like a youth pastor, don't I? But what are the things that you'll never compromise in? We always talk about the cross of Jesus Christ, and we should. The cross of Jesus, Jesus Christ and the resurrection of, 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 of him after his death is, is the very thing that we built our whole faith on. So I'm not saying don't talk about the cross. It's beautiful, but it's more than a decoration in our church. It's more than just a, a charm on a bracelet or a necklace. See, the cross of Jesus Christ is an instrument of what? It's an instrument of death. And Jesus said, take up your, take up your cross and follow me. What was he saying? Take up that instrument of death 
and be willing to go where I went. Take up that instrument of death and be willing to give yourself to the very last breath. Now, does he want us all just to go out and die? No. What he's saying is take up your cross every day and do what I did. What did he do? He gave of himself. He made disciples. He shared the, the truth, the gospel, the good news. How many people believe that it's still good news? The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that is going to challenge and change the world as we know it. Are you willing to give of yourself in such a way to let your friends and neighbors and family and coworkers and, 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 and classmates know? That is what the Lord is asking us to do. Second of all, if we want to cut our net and celebrate in a world of short-term sprinters, dare to be a distance runner. In a world of short-term sprinters, dare to be a distance runner. Listen, there's a lot of great starters in life. There's a lot of great starters when it comes to someone choosing Christ. You know, maybe an altar call is given and you raise your hand and, yes, I want to live, the, live for the Lord. And, and, and you, begin that, you begin that process, you begin that walk, but oftentimes we don't go any further. We just stay where we are. We just go, you know, uh, you know we just continue to do the same thing. I know when I was growing up, listen, I went to an incredible church. My parents are still members at that church. They've been there for 52, 57, something, 50 something years at the same church, and it's a wonderful church. But I didn't understand when I was growing up. I gave my heart to the Lord, but every time the preacher preached on a Wednesday night, or, or excuse me, a Sunday night, and he was talking about, you know, if you die today, uh, you know, where are you going to spend eternity? And I was running to the altar every, every Sunday. I'm like, Lord, I just in case, you know, just in case. I, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. And, and sometimes, uh, you know, I think that that's how we live our spiritual life, our Christian life. Lord, just in case. My mom would pray, still prays when she prays over us. Lord, if we've done anything, anything, if we've done anything, Lord, if we've committed any sin that we don't even know about, please forgive us so that we'll make heaven. And I want to make heaven. But I want us to live with such a confidence and a boldness in who we are in Jesus Christ that we don't have to question every week, you know, do I, am I really living for him? No, we, we stand up and we say, I'm not just going to be a starter, but I'm going to be a finisher. I'm going to go after God every day with all my heart. In this season, during this time, if any of you have uh, watched the Olympics, uh, years and years ago there, there was a, a, a runner who, who began the race, and he was running, and, and, and uh, I believe he pulled a muscle of some sort, and he, he you know, fell to the ground, and, and, uh, and then he, he got himself back up, and he hobbled that long race. He hobbled to the finish line. And as he crossed the finish line later on the, in, in the interview process, they were interviewing him. They said, listen, why did you get up? You know, you were injured. You were hurt. You could have injured yourself uh, 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 worse. You could have done more damage. Why did you get up and finish the race? There's no way you could have won. And he said, listen, my country did not send me here to start a race. 
I want to tell you this morning with excitement, the Lord did not save you to start something in you, but he saved you to finish something in you. He that began a good work in you shall what? Be faithful to complete it. And, and, and so I want to look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the, uh, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but all, also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul is writing to Timothy saying, hey, listen, I'm coming to the end of my race. I didn't just start it, but I've completed it. I've fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. And he said, and I'm about to stand before my creator, and he's going to give me a crown of glory, not because I'm some wonderful person, not because I'm so great, but because I finished the race. I was faithful. I made up my mind that I'm not going to turn around. I made up my mind that I'm not going to give up. I made up the mi my mind even if I fall, I'm going to rise and stand back again and finish the race. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 32 verse, uh, through 38 says this. The writer of Hebrews says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained uh, promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. We, uh, they were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, but foreign or, uh, put foreign armies to flight, uh, women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, uh, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned with rocks. <laughs> they were stoned. <laughs> they were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They, were, uh, uh, they went about in skins of sheep and goat, destitute, afflicted, uh, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. I love how the writer of Hebrews says, I don't have to time to tell you all the people that through faith have finished the race for, for the Lord, but here's a few. Listen, I believe this, that our names can, can, can be at the, the, the end of this particular passage of scripture, uh, of scripture. One day, the Lord is going to look you in the eye and he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. See, that's why we live for the Lord, not just to make heaven, but I want to hear the well done of God. I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Jason, enter in to the glory of the Lord. Listen, did you notice he doesn't say, well done, thou good and talented servant. He doesn't say, well done, the good and perfect servant who has never failed or sinned. 
He doesn't say, well done, thou good and charming servant. No, he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He said, you didn't quit. You didn't give up. You didn't stop. You sinned. You failed. You, fought, you had fallen, but you got back up. Well done, thou good and faithful service, uh, servant. Uh, listen, I want to tell you this. I've set my eyes on Jesus. I've set my mindset on Jesus. And if, I, if I'm going to do that, that means I'm again going to do what Jesus did. I want to give my life. I want to give everything that I am, everything that I ever dream and hope of being so that one day I'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 and 36 says this. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have a need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you, you may receive what is promised. He said, don't throw away your confidence. Listen, I've been there so many times when life hasn't exactly been going the way that I desired it to go. There's been moments when dreams that I've had were were thrown back in my face when, when my life was seemingly devastated when I had to ask the question Lord is this really you know are you really calling us to do this Lord are you really even I mean is this all real is this all real or, or you know have I missed the mark it's interesting because Paul even had those moments but he made up in his mind he said I'm going to uh, cast everything aside so that I might put my, my heart and my mindset on Christ. And so I want to challenge you to not lose confidence, to not lose hope. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into his harvest field. See, every single week or every single month, we put missionaries on the screen and we pray for them. and We talk about what God is doing through their life in their country. And yet the Lord says, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth harvesters, not just those guys. But he's asking you to answer the call of his only known prayer request. Think about that. The only time, now Jesus told people, hey, pray, pray, pray. You know, this is how you pray. Our, our Father, who art in heaven, all, all of those things. But the only time it was recorded for, that Jesus said, pray for this. He said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth harvesters. Listen, I've made up in my mind, and I hope you have too. I'm going to be the answer to his only prayer request. I'm going to be the answer and say, I'm going to go into the harvest field, and I'm going to reap a harvest. This morning, where, where is your harvest field? Is it your workplace? Is it your home? 
Many of you, several of you that, that I know and I've spoke, uh, spoke to personally, uh, you're retired and, and, uh, and you, you know, you, you have a camper and you go all across the country. Listen, that's a great harvest field. The Lord had said, the Lord has said, pray that I will send out harvesters. I'm not only going to pray for that, but I'm going to be the answer for that. I'm going to go into the harvest field. I'm going to go and I'm going to reap a harvest. I'm going to go and share my faith. I'm going to go and give my life. Uh, uh, pray every day. I pray every day that Jesus would use me each and every day, each and every moment, each and every hour. I want you to listen for the next, I'm almost done, for the next three or four minutes. I'm, I'm going to give some practical things that I believe that we can do. First of all, we're going to pray every day that Jesus would use us. Every single day, when you wake up, Lord, before I walk out of this house, I, I pray that you would use me in, in a powerful way. Every day, connect with one other believer, maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your wife, maybe it's a friend, give them a phone call, give them a FaceTime, uh, meet them for lunch, and just say, hey, let's pray together that the Lord would use us. Listen, connect with another believer each and every day. The third thing is be a make-it-happen person, right? Be a make-it-happen per person. So pray that the Lord would give you creative ways to reach people. Pray that the Lord would give you creative ways to reach people. Listen, I believe this, that we serve the who? The creator of the universe. So if the creator of the universe, his spirit lives in me, what does it tell me? That I can be creative. Listen, pray for creative ways to reach people this year. Look for, look for uh, opportunities to be a genuine friend. Look for those uh, uh, good Samaritan moments. If somebody needs help, if someone needs encouragement, look for chances to be a genuine friend. Invite people to lunch. Invite unbelievers to lunch that, that you know, maybe you work with them, maybe you know them, you're, they're just, they're friends of yours. It's amazing how much people will listen to you when you buy them lunch. So invite people that you want the Lord to impact their life. Invite them to lunch. Spend some time with them. Again, be creative. And then invite people to Upcountry Church. Invite people to Upcountry Church. I, I was a youth pastor in, in, uh, in New Mexico 20-something years ago. And there was a young man by the name of Jay Johnston. And... Uh, after one particularly moving service, he came up and he said, Pastor Jason, he said, I'm going to bring somebody to the youth group every single week. Like not, he's like, not the same person. Like I'm going to bring one person, then I'm going to bring another, you know. And he said, every single week. And if there's ever a week that I don't, you, you know, you need to get in my face about it. I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that, you know. And Jay did that. Listen, Jay was personally responsible. Our youth ministry grew from like 75 students to more than 200 students on a Wednesday night. And Jay was a big part of that. Why? Because Jay got in his mind. He said, I am going to live for the Lord and I'm going to be aggressive with, aggressive with my faith in the sense of this. I'm not going to be aggressive in people's faith, in faith. But if I believe what I say I believe, I'm going to begin to walk those things out. And 
Jay would bring somebody, and then they would bring somebody, and they would bring somebody. Listen, bring people to Upcountry Church. Invite them. You know, you're out in, in uh, downtown. You're out in your neighborhood. Invite them, and if you invite them enough, they will come, and, and God will uh, bring challenge and change to their life. Last of all, the third thing, if we want to cut the net, we need to begin to live this way. In a world of pain and stress, remember who is cheering you on. In a world full of pain, in a world full of stress, I want you to remember who is cheering you on. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endeared, endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I love that portion of scripture where it says, run the race with perseverance. It says, uh, don't be uh, discouraged or dismayed. Why? Because you right now are being uh, surrounded and cheered on by a great cloud of witnesses. Listen, I, I can see it now as you are doing uh, your life, living your life and, and living your dreams and doing what God has called you to do. Listen, there is a great cloud of people, Moses, Elijah, Peter, James, John, but most importantly, Jesus Christ himself has, has, is cheering you on and saying you can do it. You can share your faith. You can give hope. You can give peace. Hebrews 7 verse 25 says this, Consequently, he, speaking of Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he is always living to make intercession for you. This morning, I want you to know that Jesus' only job right now, he's at the right hand of the Father, and it says there in Hebrews that he, all, he is only living, always living to make intercession for you. That's a big word that simply means he's always praying on your behalf. He's always praying on your behalf. He's always saying, Lord, I want you to remember Jason. I want you to remember Jalen. I want you to remember Zach. I want you to remember Amanda. Listen, they're, gonna, they're living their life for you, but they want to make a, an impact. They want to cut down the net and receive the great reward. Listen, the great reward is this. I want you to put that picture, that, uh, picture back up, if you will. For me, being a crazy sports fan, 
This is what heaven looks like to me. When you walk into the glory of God, after you stand before him, there's going to be moments, the, the scripture says in Revelation, that he would wipe every tear from our eye. We've always heard, oh, no, no crying in, in heaven, no this in heaven, no pain in heaven. No. And, and, and I, I, know, I believe that's true. But the scripture said he's going to wipe every tear from our eye. I believe that when we see Jesus, when we see Jesus face to face for the first time, I think maybe for the first time it's going to hit us and we're going to say, you know, I, I'm so glad to be face to face with my Savior. But I could, I could have done more. I could have shared my faith one more time. I, I could have given to someone else. I could have encouraged somebody else. But listen, that looks like heaven to me because when I walk through the gates of heaven, maybe just for me, He's going to hand me a piece of net. He's going to say, well done. And the crowd of heaven is going to cheer you on. They're going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That picture was taken back in 1974. There was a coach by the name of Digger Phelps. He was the head basketball coach for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And they were preparing to meet the perennial champion, the UCLA Bruins. UCLA had won 88 straight games. They had won something outrageous, you know, six or seven straight national championships, and it pains me to even talk about it. But Digger Phelps being the coach of Notre Dame, now, I want you to understand this. This was a regular season game. It wasn't a championship. But they were going to be facing UCLA. And so they, the team came out for practice on Monday. And they had a great practice. It was, you know, very a hard-fought practice. And, and at the end of the practice, instead of just getting in, you know, the, you know a circle and a team, you know, and going off into the locker room, Digger started dragging out a ladder. He set it under the basketball goal. His team's like, what are you doing? He said, we're going to practice. We've just had a good hard-fought practice. We're going to practice celebrating right now after we beat UCLA. This is on Monday. So they begin to climb up the ladder, and they begin to cut the net down. And the team cut the net down and celebrated and went off into the locker room. Tuesday, same thing. At the end of practice, they pulled out the ladder and they begin to cut the net down and only this time after the net was cut down they put the point guard on their shoulders and they carried him off into the locker room that was Tuesday Wednesday same thing cut the net carry the point guard the coach did a little dance and he did a little jig he did look it up Thursday same thing cut the net carry the, the, the point guard off Friday cut the net the game was Saturday night and with five minutes left to go in the game Notre Dame was down by 11 with five minutes to go Digger called the timeout and all he said was boys get ready to cut the net 
And they knew, well, we're losing by 11, but the confidence that he showed in them, they went out in the next minute and a half, they cut the lead from 11 to 5, 5 to 3, 3 to 1. With 21 seconds left in the game, their point guard hits a jumper from the baseline to give them a one-point lead. 21 seconds to go, Notre Dame, uh, UCLA goes down, and they missed three shots. The Notre Dame guy rebounded the ball, threw it up in the air, and they begin to celebrate, and the entire crowd hit the floor. And in that moment, as UCLA made their way off the floor, here's Coach Digger dragging out the ladder. And they cut the net down. They carried the point guard off into the locker room. And Digger did a little jig. An Irish one, I think. Today, I want to tell you, with every head bowed and every eye closed and nobody moving around in this moment, I want to tell you that your Heavenly Father, we can have much more confidence in Him than a motivational coach. We can have much more assurance in what he has said than what anybody else has said or done from this, t from this time or any other time in history. Today he's telling you, will you be the answer to my only prayer request? Will you go into the harvest field and reap a harvest?